Hi, I'm Melanie Tate, host of Now Hear This, True Stories, recorded live here in Australia for the ABC. Thanks for listening to this SoundCloud podcast. Before we get to a story I'm going to recommend you need tissues for, I want to remind you that if you're living in Sydney, we actually have a slam on Wednesday week. It's at the Art House Hotel, Pitt Street, Sydney. The slam's going to start at 7.30pm, but you can get there from 6pm to register your story. That is Wednesday, 27th of February. Now, if you want to tell a story, the theme is X's and Y's, and your story needs to be five minutes long, and it needs to be true, and you need to tell it without any notes in your hands. Interpret the theme however it is that you like. It could be about an ex-partner or someone you've spent your life asking the universe why about or perhaps you have a great story of X and Y chromosomes. I'm not sure what your X's and Y's story is. I know you have one, so interpret it however you like and come along and be part of what is usually a really, really fun night. Now, this next story comes from a very special Now Hear This we held in Canberra, the capital city of Australia, in January this year to remember the tragic bushfires that swept through the city some 10 years ago. Here's John Mackay. At six o'clock on the morning of the fires, I was walking along Browley Beach on the south coast of New South Wales with my wife and my little Jack Russell, Peggy, 17 years old and smarter than smart. Peggy had two fantastic tricks. One of them was when it was time for bed. She would get into her box and wrap herself in a blanket completely, shuffle around until she was completely inside, then off to sleep. Secondly, knowing that Colette was terrified of spiders whenever she would hear this sharp intake of breath, it meant there was a huntsman. Peggy would be dancing underneath that huntsman on the ceiling until somebody touched the poor hapless spider with a broom and it would drop. And Peggy would catch it about a metre off the ground. (laughs) She must have loved those things because she ate dozens of them. (laughs) So we're walking along the beach, having a lovely time, been on holidays for a few weeks. Everything is sweet except for one thing, that I, as a CEO, am paranoid about emails. And so I'd been checking my emails, including the night before, and I'd got this email that basically said, listen, the western flank of Canberra tomorrow could be impacted and places like your water treatment plant, which is not far from Stromlo right here, could be impacted by the fires. So at the time I was the CEO of the utility company that ran all of Canberra's electricity, gas, water and sewerage. So I'm explaining this email to my wife and she's a lot smarter than I am, I'll tell you. She said, if that is what's going to happen tomorrow, brother, we better get in the car and go home. And that's exactly what we did. So by about 11, a bit before lunch, we're back in Canberra. I've phoned one of my managers and said, listen, come and pick me up and we'll go to our emergency room in Fishwick. So there I am. He's driving. I'm in the passenger seat. And we have this emergency manual that we all carry in the boot of the car. I don't think 
any of us have ever read it completely, but I was reading it very quickly that, uh, that Saturday morning. And, you know, those manuals are full of all the useful information apart from the stuff that you actually need at that moment. But somehow I thumbed my way to the right page and I said, listen, we're into a level four emergency, which means we, we ring all of these people and they come to this room in Fishwick. So there we are, lunchtime, in this box in Fishwick with no windows, not much information, getting ready for we don't know what. And we didn't get much information for the rest of that day, but we had all sorts of dials and computers and stuff there. And we could tell that something pretty awful was happening outside that, that box. We could see the power going off all over town. We could see the sewerage works closing down. We could see one of our major reservoirs closing down and we could see the gas pressure dropping in our mains across large parts of Canberra. So it was a pretty nasty scene. And we spent the next 48 hours basically in that box looking at the dials, trying to figure out where all the problems were and what we should do. After 48 hours, I came out of the box, I got a bit of a chance to go and have a look around and I just couldn't believe what I saw. I'd seen a fair bit on the TV, but actually driving down some of those streets was just horrendous. And we had, in the process, managed to help I think probably about 20,000 residents defrost their fridge and their freezer at high speed, uh, learn how to have cold showers again, not have a hot cup of tea, and basically do without power, in some cases water. Even the sewerage system was down. It had, been, had a bushfire go straight through the middle of it. And there I am on ABC which I'd done many times before saying, you know, turn your lights out and, you know, stop using so much water. I'm saying to people, stop using your toilets and internal drains. Can you believe that? And people did. They actually stopped flushing toilets and they were showering with a bucket and they were washing up in a bucket and not using the drains and that stopped us putting raw sewage into the long globe. So it was a pretty tough time all round and somehow during the next week or thereabouts we managed to put up a thousand poles. Now we could put up about eight poles in a good week. So putting up a thousand in nine days was not too bad. We'd fit, got 7,000 gas customers back on track. We jury-rigged Canberra's only sewerage system in a very clever fashion. And the Chapman tank, which had lost a nine-tonne roof, blown off, and I think that tells you more about the fires than anything else, we'd managed to get that going again. So there was a lot to feel, you know, a little bit better about, and our troops had been working day and night in horrendous conditions. So we get to Saturday and I've got this invite to the lodge. Well, you've got to, no matter how bad things are, you've got to accept that. And so I go along to the drinks at the lodge on Australia Day, the following Saturday, bump into John Howard and John Stanhope and I say, look, it'd be great if you guys could come out to our depot 
tomorrow afternoon. I'll get all the troops in and we'll put on a big barbecue and some grog and we'll have a, a, a really wonderful time. So they both agreed, which was fantastic. And the next morning, as I'd been doing for about the whole week, I went into work at four o'clock to make sure that not only we got the rest of the work done or the rest of the power on, but that we were absolutely ready for this big event with the Prime Minister and the Chief Minister. So I'm in there working and I get this phone call from Colette saying, John, I just took the dog for a walk. He jumped a gutter, collapsed and died. And I'm thinking, I don't don't believe this. But anyway, I thought, bugger the fires, bugger the Prime Minister, bugger the Chief Minister, I'm going home this minute. So we went home and we wrapped our little beautiful dog in her blanket, her favourite blanket, and buried her in the backyard. Then I said to Colette, see you later. I've got to go back and sort all this stuff out. So away we went. We had a terrific barbecue event. People were, were thanked by our leader in the ACT and our national leader, and we'd finished basically connecting all the infrastructure in this city. On the uh, straight following that, I got involved in a big uh, telethon where we used our call centre, and with the call centre we raised 350000 Actual AGL gave another 250000 to start the appeal. I went in the appeals board where we raised and handed out $9 million to the victims, A little later on, I got involved with Sandy Holway in the recovery task force, and we, one of those things was to build a fabulous arboretum, and I got to be the lucky chair of that for the last 10 years. But every time I go to that arboretum, I think of the fires, I think of this arboretum as a sort of a phoenix rising from the ashes. So... I think of that, but every time I think of the fires, I think of my lovely little dog, Peggy. Thank you.